Welcome back to Let's Talk About God. Welcome back. I think I'm moving around a lot. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You, you, you don't remember that? You're, you're I don't even know what that is. There was a TV show in the 70s called Welcome Back, Cotter. Who is Cotter? So Cotter, he was like, I think the guy was actually a comedian. Um, but he was a high school teacher, mm-hmm. and he went back to his high school that he graduated from. And he was part of a group called the Sweat Hogs. <laughs> that was their name, the Sweat Hogs. And uh, and so he would go back. Well, they were still Sweat Hogs, and the Sweat Hogs were in his class. And yeah. so the whole every episode was about Mister Carter. And they had this guy. He they were from New York. Oh, you're saying Carter? Carter? I no, Carter. Oh, Carter? Yeah, yeah. Mister. Yeah, Mister Carter. But it was. But the guy would say, I would say Cotter, Cotter because, <laughs> um, uh, no, it actually was Cotter. His last name was Cotter, but the oh, guy okay. from the Brooklyn guy, he would always say, Mr. Cotter. Oh, I got you. Mr. Cotter. But this was John Travolta's break into fame. Yeah. So he was Mr. Carter? No, he was one of the students. Oh, I got you. And he would play this, he played this dunce, this yeah. dumb, and he'd say, what? Who? When? And yeah. people ask him stuff, and he would just ask, He that was kind of his thing, his his little mm-hmm. his little uh, stick. stick. And every one of them had their own, and like uh, Horseshack was the guy said, Mr. Kata. And, he go, and every time he know the answer to a question, he'd throw his hand up and go, oh, 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 oh. It, yeah. It's just, they all had their own individual thing. But yeah, anyway, but there was a song, and like they would play it on the radio about, welcome, welcome back. back, welcome back, welcome back. So, so there's your little 70s <laughs> lessons, okay? So there's a little, little step back in time. Just want y'all to know that I just put AARP mail on his desk <laughs> before this. And, and I'm now bitter. you're not surprised. And I'm bitter. <laughs> hey, the 70s were, I was going to say awesome, but I take that groovy. back. Groovy. They were groovy. The 80s were awesome. The 70s were a mess. The 70s were a mess. But anyway, <laughs> uh, how are you doing? Doing good on this rainy day. Yeah. You know, since we uh, last... Uh, recorded our episode i haven't i've had an episode as uh and the listeners who are from our church know this but maybe you know the rest of them don't but you talking about my age i guess it's from years of playing sports or whatever uh and running but i squatted down to do something to help the dog the dog had to take the dog to the, the vet and i just did a freestand and when i stood up my right knee just locked up and shot pain and went to the doctor and they did MRIs and I tore my meniscus. Mm, mm, mm. So since our last recording, I've had meniscus surgery. That's crazy. All in a month's time. Yeah. Yeah. And they took out about 35 to 40%, which is more than the doctor thought he had to, but I'm healing up. It's mm. been, see, tomorrow will be four weeks since surgery. It's crazy. So April 15th, tax day. <laughs> I had surgery, so the government takes my money. Took a, the, the, took doc- a lot from the doctor you. took my meniscus. <laughs> the government takes thirty five percent of your money, and the doctor took thirty five percent of my meniscus. <laughs> it's kind of appropriate. Only one was voluntary. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I had what's called a bucket tear, and the bucket tear. You can Google this. the The tear. I don't know if it flips or whatever in your knee, but it goes up in the joint. So, like, if you open a door and the crack in the door where the hinges are, if you put a pen, a writing pen in there, and as the door would begin to shut, 
that pin would wedge in that, mm-hmm. and so the door can't shut. Well, that's what happened in my knee. The bucket tear of the meniscus went up, so I couldn't straighten my leg, Evan. It was crazy. Like, I could only get my knee to go so far. So I, we didn't have crutches. Your mom was in Dalton, Georgia, visiting her pay, parent, age parents, and uh, I'm stuck at the house. And I don't know what's happening at that point. I'm mm. hoping I'm able to get better, but it doesn't. So I had to call her, and she had to drive nearly three, four hours back and take me to the doctor, and it was just it was an episode. But the good Lord worked it out, so... Cutting you open. But you had a lot of faith in that surgeon. Yeah, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I told you, Bob, this morning, I said, when we do these episodes, Evan always has his segue pun, and we try to beat each other, and I had it already ready, and you beat me to us. <laughs> what was yours? Well, it's going to say faith, you know. But, yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. I trust that our audience will bear with you with these oh. terrible puns that you keep throwing at them. <laughs> I have confidence <laughs> that they are wise to what you're trying to do. As you guessed, today we are talking about faith. Yeah, faith. We're talking about faith. So, so, so we're we're actually going to do like a little mini series here, right? That's right. So we're going to do. I don't. I mean, I'd like don't use this term. I just sort of saw this somewhere. The, if you want to call them the three theological virtues, if you've spent any time reading Paul, reading the New Testament, especially in this, the most famous passage in First Corinthians thirteen, 13 yeah. he says, you know, and, and these three abide: faith, hope, and love. And uh, and so we're going to actually break down faith, hope, and love over the next three weeks, uh, or next three episodes, I should say, and uh, and explain why they're so important and why they're so key to the Christian faith. And they really are. Paul was right, like like he would be wrong. He was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, <laughs> but he really was was right that the, these three do stay. They remain. Mm-hmm. They abide. They, they they hang around. They kind of make up the Christian life, if you will. They do. So when we say these three simple words, faith, hope, and love, they are incredibly rich. Mm-hmm. Like we are going mining, not for Bitcoin. <laughs> but we are going mining for truth coin in God's word, and and these are it's gonna this is gonna be good. I hope you'll see how they connect. I think faith and hope. You'll I think you'll get that right off the bat. But all three of them are intertwined yes. together and kind of work together in this sort of synergy. And and I hope you'll be able to see that and view your lens. I would encourage you too if you spend any time reading Paul. Um, I can't remember if he if he uses these three together anywhere else, but oftentimes he'll pair the two. Yes, he does. They're, so he'll he'll pair like faith and hope, or hope and love, or faith and love. He kind of mixes and matches. I can't think of it because you know you're catching me off guard here. But there is a passage, and I'm wanting to say it's like First Thessalonians or Ephesians, yeah, it's something like that, that. He actually does that at the beginning, kind of in the salutation. And if I sit here and we talk long enough and I look, I might be able to find it. But um, he does that. He puts those mm-hmm. together um, it, because he saw them as, uh, like you said, centrifugal mm-hmm. to the Christian walk. Yeah. And so that's why I said today, this is good. These next three sessions, you know, I hope you stay with us and, and listen to them and whatever. And um, because I think they'll really, yeah, like, yeah, like, all right, here I found it. It's Colossians. Yeah. So like he said, um, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. This is the chap, first mm-hmm. chapter, verse 3. Praying always for you since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all the saints 
because of the hope which is laid up for you. That, there it is. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, because I, I'm kind of mm-hmm. like you. When I'm, I, underli- I knew it was somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I highlight and underline, write notes in my Bible, and and uh, I had this Bible. I looked, I looked today, yesterday. I've had this Bible for like ten years. Wow, June two eleven is when you I put, got it. Put it through some use. Yeah, and I love it so much. It's the um, it's the Spirit Filled Life Bible, and I love it. Um, it's the New King James, which is which I I use, and. Um, it's it's a Pentecostal Bible. It's 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 created by Pentecostals, mm-hmm. people like Jack Hayford and Paul Walker and James Robinson, some, and and then Pentecostals you wouldn't know, but who were professors that are mm-hmm. just brilliant men and women uh, contributed to this, and it's just chock full of word studies and notes and uh, unbelievable wealth of information. So, but anyway, I I I remembered that. That's when good. You said that I remembered that. So. Well, let's, let's hit our 30-second definition of faith. I'll go first. I wrote mine out. It's like kind of funny, but I mean, not funny. I don't really know. Anyways, faith is the wholehearted trust and reliance on God. So that's what that was my basic faith, the whole heart, wholehearted you know, trust and reliance on God. Saving faith right, or justifying faith is the wholehearted belief that Christ lived, died, rose, and ascended, and I put in all caps, for me. And to forgive in all caps my sins, and to receive in all caps me into adoption as his child. She's making this very personal, very personal. So that saving faith um, is not just a belief in objective historical facts. It's that he did it for me, and I receive it. Okay, so I'm, can I spend a little more time in this? Go because for it. I think in preparation for today, I spent a lot, of, a lot more time, a lot, and kind of going down the road. You just went. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here, here's my definition but I have a lot of them. So I think faith is trust and dependence on God, resting in the belief of what God has revealed concerning his character and purposes. That's good. Okay. That's really good. And so here's another one. It's that faith is the divinely implanted principle of inward confidence, assurance, and trust and reliance in God and in all that he says. So like that. Yeah. So kind of the same thing. Um, I'm like you. I put an and in all caps. Mm-hmm. And the faith. Oh, so instead of go. saying faith, the faith is the object or content of belief. It's what I hold is true. It's the body of truths believed. Break break down that distinction because I, I didn't really go into that. I just discussed faith. That's really what I studied. But people oftentimes use that term faith to mean not like my personal belief, but a set of doctrines. Break down that distinction real quick. Yeah, and and it's even in it's even in the Bible. So it's in the Bible. That was a deep, that, <laughs> that was deep. Was very that was good. profound. I wow, know, I, I know stuff. You know stuff. I know You're stuff. You're a pastor. I'm, my brain, my mouth's talking. My brain is already like two steps ahead. <laughs> so in in the Greek, there are actually two forms of the verb that are used. A lot of people know that the Greek for faith is pistis, mm-hmm. p i s t i s, but there are forms of that like any like we do that in English language. So you have two aspects of faith that are in the Bible that are even brought out by the Greek. So first, faith is is like a personal trust or dependence in God. So it gets back to what you did when you said me, mine, my faith, my trust, okay? There is and you see this in John's gospel. 
Mm-hmm. John's gospel is a lot about personally. I write these things so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, you know, whatever he said right at the end. Remember that? Yeah, end yeah, of John. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is where faith is a verb. It's an action. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what where you and I were going with our definitions. But also in the Bible, faith is the assent of propositional biblical truths. So propositional truths are informative truths or declarative truths, uh, beliefs. Some people go so far to say beliefs. So faith is the assent of propositional biblical truths revealed in God's word. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's it's all right. So here's a way to, to make it real simple. So um, with the first one, I be, I believe in mm-hmm. I believe in Jesus, but the second one is I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that help? Mm-hmm. Maybe that helps our listeners. Is I believe in Jesus. I believe or you in could him. say that the faith is the object of my faith. Y- yes, and they go together. And that's that's one of the things I want to point out is that, and even scholars will do this. They'll make it either or, mm-hmm. and they'll write it. And 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 what you're what you just did is perfect. Is that it's not either or. It's and both. Mm-hmm. Is that you have to have both. So. You have to have the faith to also connect with your faith, your trust in God. You, it, it's to believe in Him. You have to believe that something is true. Mm-hmm. Does that make it yeah, simple enough? Absolutely. So, so that that's kind of what I want us to understand today. Is sometimes you hear, hear people talk about the faith. You know, well, that's that's your credence. Mm-hmm. That's. Um, the, the the systemization of what you believe, your doctrine. To confess the faith would be like to confess the Apostles' Creed or whatever. Right. And we got some awesome videos we're working on that are going to be amazing coming out sometime soon. Yes. Shout out need, to that. Yeah. But, our, our teaching series. <laughs> but but you're right. And and like we say, I believe in God our Father. Mm-hmm. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. When we sing that, we're singing about the faith. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so we don't even realize that, but if you sing that in your church, you're you're singing about the faith. Mm-hmm. This is what we believe. We believe that. But when you talked about me, talk to me about my personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then I may say things that I believe about him, but I believe in him. Mm-hmm. I believe in his work. I believe in his person. I believe in his ability to save me, help me, heal me, give me a miracle, answer my prayer. So that's what we're talking about today. So I probably have one more thing that I want to add to it, and um, this is kind of a thing for me. In Romans chapter 4, I think there's – because it's really hard to find a biblical definition of faith. A lot of people like to say, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mm -hmm. By faith, you know, it's the faith chapter in Hebrews chapter 11. Yeah. Um, And and that is – that is a – a definition of faith. So a lot of people think, well, I'll find the definition of faith there. But again, that's so broad. Yeah. It it's not it's it's really a broad statement that doesn't really key into what we just did that mm-hmm. really gives us this is what faith is. But I think one of those aspects of faith is really clear in Romans 4 20, 21. I think a lot of people miss this. And it's Paul is talking about Abraham. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was credited him for righteousness. So yeah. Abraham is known as the man of faith, faith, right? The father of the faith. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's what Paul commented about it. He said, and so I quote Romans 4, 20, 21, Abraham did not waver 
at the promise of God through unbelief. So that's like the negative side is I'm choosing not to doubt or, mm-hmm. or walk in unbelief or waver. Okay, I got a promise from God. So that's, but Abraham was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And this is the part that kind of defines it. So you ready? Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. That's good. Can you see that there? So two two things that make up faith is a promise, a promise from God and being fully convinced. That's what's here. Yeah. Exactly. That there's a promise. Uh, and and again, promise is one aspect. You know, sometimes it's just, and we're going to talk about this later, it's just revelation. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you can believe in a promise and trust God for the promise. Sometimes you got to believe in God and trust things about God. Is he real? Isn't he? Mm-hmm. Is Jesus a rabbi, a teacher, just a man, a Jew, or is he the son of God and Lord? So even then, that's, if you if you take it, from the scriptures, it's in a sense in a promise. The scriptures are promising all of these things about God, right? But yeah. then the promise was fulfilled. For sure. So you have. To, sometimes we have promises that when we want to see fulfilled in our life. Other times there are promises that have been fulfilled that you have to go ahead and trust. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, Jesus told Peter, he "said Blessed are you. You have seen me and believed. Blessed mm-hmm. are those who have not seen me and believed." He saw the promise. We have it. We just have to take the revelation of Jesus' word, mm-hmm. of God's word, that Jesus died, rose again. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, as I said, this, it's a, it's it's a it's a both and both. That's so, good. But I, I've always thought that was good. I mean, that's in my Bible. I've got notes written that that's probably the closest definition to faith is being fully convinced that what God has promised, He's also able to perform. I like that a lot. Yeah. So, well, let's look at at faith. We'll usually do this in the Old Testament, and then we'll look at it in the New Testament. So one, you just hit it, Genesis 15, 6, Abraham is the father of faith. Genesis 15, 6 says, and he, talking about Abraham, believed in the Lord, and he, talking about God, accounted it to him for righteousness. So Abraham was saved before the law was given, before any commands really were given. Uh, God promised him, I'm going to bring you into a land. I'm going to you know, give you a great nation. I'm going to make your children and your descendants as many as the stars. Through your offspring, the nations will be blessed. And Abraham believed him, and God credited it to him, imputed it to him, uh, I, I put it on his account as if he were perfectly righteous. And so we know that faith, and faith specifically that makes us right with God, has been there since the beginning. And uh, and so that's how Abraham is simply the father of faith, is that he believed and God counted to him like he was a righteous man. Yeah, and we've pulled out Abraham as one example in the Old Testament. Everybody in the Old Testament walked in faith. Everybody did. But not everybody. I see what you're saying. Well, the saints. The saints, yeah. So, so yeah, but the saints of the Bible. Yeah. They all walked in faith. So Abraham... Okay, Adam and Eve, God killed the two lambs, because I think they were lambs. The Bible doesn't say it, but other things in the scriptures make me think Mm -hmm. that it would be lambs, because that's what he did later on, and sacrificed their lives to atone for their sin in the garden, and then clothed them with the skins. Okay, I still think for that to work, it's not like God forced that covering or atonement on them. I think there had to be faith. Mm Mm-hmm. Had to, so they had to trust God that what God did for them, woo, 
ooh, this is deep. This is good. This is, this is segueing right into Jesus. They had to trust God that what he did for them in that sacrifice was sufficient yeah. to keep them right with him. Even though they were rejected from the garden, they still had relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there's faith. God gives them the proto-evangelium, which is the uh, the promise of the coming of Jesus. They had to believe it. Yeah. They had to hold on to it and have faith in it. So it it started. I think Abel had faith. I've actually got Hebrews eleven one through seven. I like just paste copy and paste it just oh, a little bit. I missed it right there. It is just in front because of us. I mean you can keep going. It's totally well, fine. That's just that, not, that's the whole theme of the of that chapter well, eleven is that the Old Testament saints had faith. Right, exactly. So you're I'm, I'm jumping ahead of you, but you're good. But I'm just flowing here yeah, yeah. because you're you're sparking it. Cain didn't have faith. Abel did. I mean, there's the perfect example. Adam and Eve had faith. Okay, they have two children. Generationally, there's a split. Yep. And Abel does what God tells him to do and offers the sacrifices the proper way. Cain wants to be saved by works. Mm-hmm. He wants he wants so he can live his own life and do what he wants to do. And so now, then you see the conflict of good and evil, mm-hmm. of righteousness and wickedness, of the life of faith and the life that is faithless. And then it just goes on from there and there. And you got to Noah. Noah gets told by God it's going to rain. Well, it's never rained before, but he believes God. He says, you got to build an ark. Well, nobody built an ark before. Nobody built a, a, a ocean liner. Yeah. I mean, there's no reason cruise to. Ship. It's a cruise ship. So Noah, 120 years, builds builds an ark, goes inside, shuts it up. It's sunny day. Yeah. But in, in a matter of minutes, clouds come in that have never come before, and the heavens pour rain. It's never rained like that before. And the, and the, the, the springs explode inside the earth. And water's coming everywhere, and Abraham lives, and everybody else dies. Why? Because Abraham believed that what God said was going to happen. Noah. So, I mean, Noah. So you just go through. Thank mm-hmm. you. So you just keep going through that. And if you read the Psalms, um, the Psalms are filled with that kind of trust in God. I will mm-hmm. trust in God, and even hope, which we'll talk about the next one. But you you talk about the confidence that David would have in the Lord and. Um, they would talk about who he is and what he can do. Well, those are expressions of revelation, and that revelation is, I believe that God is, mm-hmm. and I believe that God... Isn't it great that God's revelation to us uh, creates faith? Yeah. The great I am. That's right. You know, he said, I am that I am, and so he is. You know, yeah. if you conjugate the verb to be is I am, you are, he is, she is, they are, we are. So I am is he is. So he is what? You just start filling in the blank. You need a healer, he is healer. You need a deliver, he is the deliverer. You need a way maker, he is the way maker. You need a savior, he is a savior. So again, there's this revelation that requires what? Faith. Faith. So all the people in the Old Testament that were saints, um, had this incredible faith. I think Abraham's uh, significance is that Abraham was a heathen from from modern-day Iraq. He was pagan. He had never worshipped God. He probably worshipped false gods. And God revealed himself to him and said, leave that, and I want you to serve me because those are fake, I'm real. And that I think that was the beginning of Abraham's journey with God, that he Mm -hmm. said, okay, and he, he started... You know, walking with God in relationship with God, but that moment where he believed the promises of God 
that were a destiny and a future and life encompassing. That was a critical moment for him because mm-hmm. evidently he was all in. I don't know. Maybe, you know, why is it that the call from Ur of Chaldees wasn't his saving moment, Evan? Why is it at this moment? I'm, I'm wondering if it's because at this moment he was all in. Mm-hmm. But he said, okay, the whole package, I'm in. I buy it. And it's even possible that he had faith, but faith wasn't matured. I, I try and think about James. You know, James says that the moment um, his faith was per- perfected or or matured or kind of came to completion was that moment with Isaac where he's about to sacrifice Isaac and God stops him. And yeah. uh, right after that, God essentially renews his covenant with him and is like, all right, for sure. Like, I'm letting you know now, for sure, all that stuff I promised you is coming to pass. That I think in even in Abraham, we almost see a development of faith. That we go from an Abraham who's following God, but he's still lying about his wife, Sarah, and doing yeah. all these things, to an Abraham who's ready to kill his son. And James says, yeah, his faith was perfected. So there's a measure of faith that grows throughout a lifetime of following and trusting God. And And I think... And I've done a series on Abraham, and there's a great book that was written in all things in the 1950s by a doctor, and it is one of the best books. I think I've let you look at mm-hmm. it. It is one of the best. Bo- if you ever get anything from the 1950s theology, why grab it? Get can, anything old theologically. Anything old, but especially the 1950s, you can get some of the richest. It's unbelievable, and I like. I cherish this book, and. Um, and he talks about that whole progression of faith. But it, I think that moment when he had this encounter with God where he, it was credited to him for righteousness, mm-hmm. that was his saving moment. And that was a that was a key moment for him. But yeah, you go back to, you want to read Hebrews 11? Yeah, I, I didn't put all of it because I knew it would take us forever. I just put verses 1 through 7. I just wanted to give you an idea if that's all right. Um, so verses 1 through 7. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And though it, he being dead still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. Yeah, that's just a segment. I mean, he, that's a you, tiny little you didn't get picture. Noah, Samuel. I didn't know if you wanted me to read that much no. on this podcast. <laughs> I, no, I just, I think, no, I think that's, that's good. just a little picture of, of what's going on. I, I think what we're saying here today is that the Bible is built. That's why we keep talking about faith, hope, love. Yeah. You're going to see this. The Bible is built around from the beginning mm-hmm. faith. And all these people, remember, were not saved. By their works. Noah wasn't saved by his doing or Enoch saved by his doing. Uh, it was all by faith. By faith. And that's the phrase that you kept saying, by faith. Mm-hmm. By, and the writer of Hebrews said that, yeah. So. Any, anything that they did was only pleasing because it was by 
faith. Now, obviously, in the New Testament, that faith has expanded because they were looking forward to the cross. They were looking forward to the Messiah, i.e. Jesus. Mm -hmm. They were looking forward to the completion of salvation. They were looking forward to certain promises. Okay, the Bible says that the, the prophets and 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 there were men who longed to look into what we know now. They mm-hmm. wish they knew. So where does that take us now in the New Testament, saying the Gospels? So now we'll we'll skip to the Gospels and skip to Jesus. And so Jesus came uh, came looking for faith. I use, I use the same story twice here. Um, Jesus is looking for faith from everybody. So in Matthew eight ten through thirteen, I I just put this uh, this short little story about the, uh, the, the centurion who has faith. Uh, it says, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And I say to you that many will come from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so Jesus identifies if you want to if you want to be with the father of faith Abraham if you want to be with the three patriarchs who this promise was given to all those years ago if you want to be in the real kingdom of God you have to have faith you have to trust me and this goes with Jews and with Gentiles and so Jesus comes looking for faith and he's kind of he's so frustrated that the Jewish people don't have it and he's delighted that some of the Gentiles seem to do seem to have it. Well, there's even one scripture where Jesus says, "But when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth?" Yeah. And some people say it can be translated faithfulness, but if I'm if I'm faithful, it means I'm full of faith. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I see. So, uh, and I mean, I understand faithfulness is commitment, but I think the still is what he's saying is a commitment to faith. You don't get to separate the two. No. So he, yeah, he. He he came looking for it. And when he comes back, he's looking for it again. That's right. He's coming back for people of faith, and again, not that just I believe in God. I believe that there is a God. I believe the Bible. I'm no. spiritual. I'm I, you know I believe some of the things in the Bible, or I believe you ought to go to church. No, it's I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God, and I believe that He is my Savior and Lord. That's right. Yeah. I would say it's even clearer at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. This is a real familiar passage. Mark 1, 14 through 15 says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Excuse me. Repent and believe in the gospel. So that's faith. So faith at least saving faith, is always paired with repentance. Jesus came looking for a people who repent of their sins and have faith. And so I think we need to stop here is that you can't have real, true, saving faith. You can't really trust with God, trust in God, unless you first repent of your sins. Saving faith makes makes no room for me to just sort of believe in God. I first have to recognize I'm a sinner I'm under God's judgment. I'm trapped in sin and death. I desperately need a savior and I don't want this anymore. And then it turns towards faith. That's why I uh, I tell some of the people who preach in middle school, I, I use this, this language behind the scenes. I would never tell the middle schoolers this because I don't think they'd get it. But in preaching, you first have to crush them by the law before you can heal them by the gospel. 
you have to bring them to a sorrow and a repentance of their sins before you can heal them by the gospel which they believe in. And so this is what Christ came to do, to make us aware of our sins, which then clears the area for faith to come in and save you. So repentance and faith are married. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, there's a guy, I can't remember his name right now, Mark. Some of you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, it's just escaping me. But he, he kind of introduced me to this. When he witnesses to people, he goes through the Ten Commandments, and he'll he'll say to a person, hey, let me ask you something. You think you're a pretty good person? And everybody's going to say, yeah, yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Okay, so have you, uh, you know, the Ten Commandments? And they'll say, I'm no, or I know some of them, or what, you know. He'll say, all right, he said, uh, you think you kept the Ten Commandments? And I said, oh, I don't, I don't know about that. And he said, mm-hmm. all right, let's go through. He said, uh, you ever use the Lord's name in vain? Oh, yeah, I've broken that one, you know. You ever yelled at your parents or said bad things? Yeah, I've done that. You ever kill anybody? No, I didn't kill anybody. I said, said, okay, but you ever said, man, I wish they were dead? Yeah, I've (laughs) I've done that. And he'll take them through the Ten Commandments, and by the time he gets through, he said, he'll say, now, you still think you're a pretty good person? I said, no, I don't don't think I'm a good person at all. And it's I've watched videos of him do it, and it's amazing. People are just like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a very good person. If you want to know how you can be a good person, you know, and then he'll he'll segue to Jesus and the gospel. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool that you beat them down and then build, build <laughs> them back up. Sounds so rough when you say it like that, but ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> it's true. That student ministry in the 21st century, crush them by the beat God, them down, crush them by the law, build them back up, <laughs> rip off their arm and pray for their healing. <laughs> But yeah, repentance and faith go together. Repentance and faith go together. Hey, faith saves both Jew and Gentile. Faith is not stuck to one. And I know that's not really a major issue for us today, but if we even look back at Matthew 8, 10 through 13, Jesus is frustrated that the sons of the kingdom, a.k.a. the Jewish people, don't have faith, but that this Gentile does have faith. He is uh, both shocked and pleased. Well, I think the verse <clears throat> that really bears that out is... Uh... Romans one sixteen for I am not ashamed of the gospel mm-hmm. of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God and salvation for everyone who believes first the Jew then the Gentile that's right so there you go for everyone who believes that's right faith does not have to be big or perfect to still be effective or saving so we look at the parable of the mustard seed Matthew seventeen twenty through twenty one so Jesus said to them <clears throat> or the teaching on the mustard seed excuse me because of your unbelief for assuredly I say to you if you have faith as a mustard seed you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. And then he's speaking in the context of casting out a demon. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So a faith as small as a mustard seed, a very tiny seed, is enough to move a mountain, in Jesus's words. Yeah, yeah. this was the story of when Jesus and Peter, James, and John went up the mountain transfiguration, mm-hmm. where the other nine disciples were down at the bottom of the mountain. This guy brings his son, who's demon-possessed and has epileptic seizures. Um, they tried to cast the devil out and couldn't, which is interesting because they had cast out other demons. Yeah. So it wasn't like their first time to encounter a demon or to do an exorcism. So when Jesus comes down, they said, you know, he deals with it. And then later they said, well, why couldn't we do it? And he said, because of your unbelief. Mm-hmm. So there was something about this demon that they didn't have the faith that he that, that demon would come out. Yeah. I don't know why, if he resisted or 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 what, but he was but yeah, it's interesting that you had a demonic force 
that seemed bigger than your ability. And that's what is the context if he said, if I say, if you say to a mountain, be removed. And a mountain, so he's not talking about, okay, we're going to go over here to the, to the Great Smoky Mountains up here, <laughs> and we're going to start having faith, and they're all going to get moved to yeah. Myrtle Beach. <laughs> we're going to move the mountains down to the coast. That's not what it means. It's symbolic. It's a metaphor for obstacles that are bigger than you. And what he's saying is, whether it's demonic, spiritual, whatever it is, anything you face in your life that's bigger than you, if you'll just have the faith, a little bit of faith, and say, God, I believe you're able to move this mountain and deal with this, then he said it'll it'll happen. He said nothing will be impossible because you serve a, a God who can do the impossible. It's a pretty heavy indictment on those who couldn't do it, though. Right. And, and Because <laughs> right. he's like, all you need is mustard seed. Well, and he apparently didn't have that. <laughs> and, and, and there's something more to be read in this because he said this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So if mm-hmm. you take the beginning of 20 and go to the end of 21 and connect the dots, how how do I deal with unbelief and how do I have even a little belief, much less great faith, is prayer and fasting. So, you know, there might be a little bit of, uh, and I've never thought this till right now, and I've preached on this passage, but this is the first time I've ever thought about this, Evan. There might be a little bit of indictment here, maybe a, a slight slap on the wrist, is uh, you fellows have been enjoying the ministries mm-hmm. and enjoying walking with me and enjoying the perks. You haven't been fasting and praying. Maybe you need to get over yourselves. You did all that casting out and all that sending out, and now maybe you think you're big stuff, and maybe you need to humble and die to yourself well, a bit. Well, they weren't spending. Well, I think it goes back. I'm, I mean, he, he said, "Here's listen." Evidently, they weren't fasting and praying yeah. because if this kind comes out by fasting and praying, they should have been able to cast it out. Mm-hmm. And they did fast. Jesus would fast. So, but 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 again, sometimes they didn't because what didn't John's disciples come or the Pharisees say? Why does yeah, why are you not fasting yeah, like we do? Right. So there may be that because they were with Jesus that they weren't doing that. And so maybe maybe it's not so much an indictment, it may be more of a lesson. Mm. So I won't be so hard on him. But maybe what he was trying to teach them is, I know not right now, we're not doing a lot of fasting, even though I do fast. But the day's going to come where if you want to continue in this power and flow, I'm going to be gone. You're going to have to fast and pray. But if you'll fast and you'll pray, then you'll have faith mm-hmm. that you can remove the mountains. And That's overcome good. unbelief. So I think there's a real lesson here. We need to we need to connect this dot, folks that are listening. Um, you say, I want more faith. I uh, think yeah, I'm sorry. I was gonna say spend spend time in prayer. Yeah. Spend time with God. Push back the plate. I know anytime I face something that was greater than me, I've pushed back the plate. I've just said, I don't want to eat. Mm-hmm. I need God. I I fasted by choice before, but there have been a few times in my life I fasted because I didn't want to eat. I had no appetite. What what I was facing was so overwhelming. I didn't care about anything. I I just I wanted God. I mm-hmm. needed God to show up or 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 it was going to be bad. And those are kind of the most powerful fasts. Those are the most powerful fasts you can do because you are just desperately crying out to God and denying your flesh and just totally approaching the throne with mm-hmm. everything that's in you saying God, you got to show up and do something. Yeah. And we got a man in this church that I mean, he was losing everything. He he, his, he had a business venture that failed. It was terrible. One one thing, he had what could have made him an extremely wealthy man. One move by one person blew the whole thing apart, and wow. he lost his everything, his savings. He lost, just about lost everything. He he almost lost his mind, and he said he fasted and prayed for an extended period of time. I won't tell you how long, but it was extended, and God gave him. It was a mountain. 
It was yeah. a mountain. Like they were going to take, he was going to lose everything. Yeah. And God turned everything around, changed personnel in, the, in this company that he, that he owed money, to the, everything. It was just total turnaround. And they forgave everything and, wow. and he only owed just a little bit and it was gone and done and over with. Wow. And he said it, it took God to make it happen. That's crazy. Yeah. That's good. I, I like to think about it's the same story, different gospel. So right before this, uh, it's the story of the of the guy whose son, like you said, who's demon-possessed. Well, here in Mark, Jesus is talking to the dad. And so in Mark 9, 24 through 27, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because he goes up to Jesus, he's like, Lord, if you can. It's like, if you can. That's the worst thing to say if to God. You can, can you do this, God? I don't know if you can, but if you can, yeah. do it. And Jesus is like, if you can, like, you just believe in me. Like, I can do anything. I don't remember the exact quote. Well, it's not, if if I can believe, you know, if I can, he said, if you can. That's what he said. I love it. He turned around. He said, if I can. No, that's not the question. If you can. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So Jesus <laughs> turned it back on him. Yeah, and so then he's like, Lord, I believe Help my unbelief. Probably right. the best prayer in the Bible, or the, at least the most realistic, the one we can all share in is like, I believe, but not like I know I should, and I can't even believe unless you help my unbelief. <laughs> but, but he but he did, and that's a great thing. And then look. Jesus cast the demon out, right. my point, yeah. Jesus will help you when you're having trouble believing. Yeah. And I think that gets back to fasting and prayer, is when you spend time <clears throat> with the Lord, you draw close to him, there's intimacy, Um and then when you fast, you're denying your flesh, so your spirit man rises up. Because if you if if you just if you don't do those things, then your flesh says, "This is bad. This is not. This is not going to get better. I'm dead. I'm hopeless. I'm in trouble. The, 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 I'm going to lose everything." Da, da, da. That's what your flesh does. But when you fast, you deny your flesh and you focus in on God, and the strength and power of God rises up in you, and faith. So. Uh, Jesus had to help that guy, and there are times mm-hmm. Jesus has to help us to believe. Yeah, yeah, I like the tension there of uh, he, him kind of getting on to his disciples for their lack of faith, and then at the same time, his own patience and grace and mercy for this poor father for his for his lack of faith. Um, that we have to live in the tension of both that God's really gracious to us when we don't have it, and yet He calls us to fast and pray to grow in our faith. I think Jesus helped this guy in the moment to believe. I think he helped his disciples for the long haul that's right. to believe. That's right. I think that's Which, good. can we pause right here and let me talk about, because I think for the rest of our discussion, it'll help talk about the four categories of faith. Yeah. Because we've been all over them thus far in this podcast. So I have characterized the faith concept theology into four categories all right one is saving faith we've we've talked about that today we're going to talk about it some more mm-hmm. so saving faith is trusting in Christ and in his work in order to be saved and justified um second there's in, the, in what i call incidental faith so it's faith for the moment that's what this guy needed i've got a son he has a demon it's torturing my child i'm believing that you can exercise this demon and set him free. It's an incident. It's the momentary faith, okay? 
we get those all the time. Uh, we get hurt. Somebody gets sick. We've got a big decision to make. The list can go on on. For the moment, God, I'm praying. I need you to help me, and I'm trusting God to help me. All right. Then there is what I call continuing faith, or you, you could call it lifestyle faith. And this is where you get the passage of Scripture that says, the just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. And so there is supposed to be a lifestyle, a faith, a lifestyle depending on God daily, um, including living each day uh, in accordance with what you believe. Okay. And then the last category, we, maybe we can talk about at the end, is the gift of faith, mm-hmm. which is its own kind of, it's one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. And it's a special faith for the miraculous supernatural power of God to occur. And so, and it is different from incidental faith. Yeah. It's usually for something colossal, something big. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyway, those are the four categories. I think this guy was needing incidental faith. I think when Jesus went back to the disciples, I think he was trying to teach them about a lifestyle of faith, particularly for ministry. Yeah. You're as, right. as you, you're, you're going to counter another devil like this probably somewhere mm-hmm. down the road. And the way you deal with it is if your incidental faith isn't working, your faith for the moment, then then you need to fast and pray and, and spend time with God and let your faith mature and grow until the point reach the point where you say, you know what, God can take care of this devil too. Mm-hmm. And but is that good? No, I, I think that makes perfect sense. I think the incidental faith for a lot of folks, uh, I, I think even for this man, th- th- it may have work to bring him into the kingdom. Does that make sense? I don't know how much this man knew about Jesus, but Jesus can go back to his disciples and go, you've been with me, you've you've walked with me, you've seen my miracles. Like, you need to maintain this faith, grow in this faith, keep this faith. Like, it's it's a part of the the Christian walk, not necessarily a moment of entrance. So, incidental faith can lead to saving faith. It can. That happened all the time, and it still happens today where... People come to church, they're not saved, but they'll come and ask for prayer, and mm-hmm. God will do something in their life. The light bulb goes on, provenient grace is in effect that prepares their heart, and they say, wow, they're you know, I believe, and then they're saving grace, and they get saved. Uh, saved people, flip it around, ought to have both incidental faith and continual faith. Mm-hmm. And their their incidental faith should now be an outgrowth of their continual faith that right. has been nurtured and maintained through prayer and fasting. Exactly. Boom. Let's talk about you. You uh, hinted at it. Let's move on to Paul. Um, and, and I think we've shortly touched on this. I had added this note: faith is the means by which God's power is made visible. So it's through faith that we see uh, supernatural things like healing the sick, demons cast out. Miraculous things. I think we've touched on that, but um. well, I, and I'll say this. Let's say this because we're Pentecostals. If everybody who's listening, we say that we they know we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. We believe that healings and miracles occur today. Mm-hmm. Okay, I wrote a book when the natural meets the supernatural, so we believe in the supernatural. Okay, it, it is what it is. Um, you ought to you ought to have faith in God. For stuff, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, go ahead. I, I pray. Here's 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 how I operate. This is a terrible, terrible thing. We had a lady in our church, beautiful lady, a million dollar smile, wonderful woman. She and her husband just beautiful people, and she got cancer and battled it and um, lost that battle recently. Mm-hmm. And it and it's been one of the deaths we've had recently in our church. Just terrible, terrible. I went to her house 
a few days before she passed away and prayed with her. And we talked about heaven. We talked about, you know, the end and where you're going and the consummation of your salvation. And this is what we've hoped for and kind of talked about those things. And uh, after I finished, I said, I'm going to pray with you. I said, I still believe that God can do miracles. And as long as long as you're still living, we're going to pray for a miracle. Mm-hmm. And so when I prayed with her, you know, I didn't pray the Lord, touch her, help her, Jesus, give her strength. You know, in your mind, you're thinking to die by, but you don't say it out loud. You know, I, I prayed some of that. I prayed, Lord, help her through the, but you know what I prayed? I said, God, give her a miracle. Heal her body. Now, he didn't, and that's his choice. God's God. But my point is, we ought to have that kind of faith because sometimes every once in a while, he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I, this guy told a story, a pastor, he went in to visit a guy in the hospital who was in real bad shape. And he said, I prayed for him, and I prayed one of those kind of, I'm going to pray for you, but it ain't going to happen. You know, he said it was kind of one of those, uh, the chances are real low, you're dying. Yeah. And, uh, but he said, I prayed for him, you know, and I prayed. He said, God touched that man. He said, <laughs> he came out of it. He said, that man was dying. He was like, I thought he's leaving there. He came out. He said, you ever pray a prayer and you're shocked that God answered? He said, sometimes that happened. I've yeah. done that. I've prayed yeah. prayers before. And so the point is, go ahead and pray for things and don't be disappointed. The three the three Hebrew boys said, the God that we serve is able. See, that was mm-hmm. their faith. The God that we serve is able to deliver you from, and he will deliver us. See, and that, even if he doesn't. Yeah, but if not. Him. Right. Yeah. And they said, but if not. Yeah. So you have faith, but you leave room that says, but if not. Mm-hmm. Okay, I don't coerce him. He's not a vending machine God that I put in my faith prayer, pull the mm-hmm. lever, and I'm going to get what I want. If he doesn't, then I'm going to be mad at him. You have to say, he's God. And I think I, we're just hitting so many good rabbit trails. It's just like a big topic. I think this is where your first definition comes into play in that we are, our faith is always in the promises and the character of God. Mm-hmm. And so, the character of God, especially that we see from Jesus, is that he's a God of the miraculous. And then the other tension is that God never promised us we would always be healed in every situation and all this stuff. He's promised us a resurrection. <laughs> he's promised us we'd all die bodily and we'd have a resurrection. And so we live in the tension of both of of, of this hope and this, these promises from God and his own character. I think a lot of folks need to be careful that faith doesn't attach on to their own desires and not who God has revealed himself to be. I see a lot of preaching nowadays from like super hip people and they preach about just basically your own dreams and desires and have faith for it. And I think what can happen is it can lead to people being let down because they think God is like a Santa Claus God. And as long as they have enough faith, God has to give it to them. Word of faith, blab it and grab it. You name know, it, frame it, and claim it. That's right. None of that is real. And so you don't get to just like come up with this dream in your heart or come up with this desire and then like work up enough faith in yourself and work up like a feeling of emotion and then God has to give it to you. Our faith is not attached to our own desires. It's always attached to God's character and his promises. And we have to cling to that not our own desires. And so I would just be careful of like maybe TV preaching or YouTube preaching that encourages you to sort of dream something up and then. So here's a question I'm going to ask our listeners. 
are your prayers and your faith more directed at building your kingdom or God's kingdom? That's good. I mean, if all of your prayers are all the time about my job, my work, my finances, my kids, my this, my that, my, and it's always, which is fine. You can pray about those things, but is that what you always pray about? And you never pray about the things that are important to God. Then it's an indication that your like your wheels can get out of line in your vehicle. It means your 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 spiritual life is out of line. Yeah, because we're supposed to pray that kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the very first thing we pray. We don't get to give us this day our daily bread to way later in the mm-hmm. prayer. The the focus of my prayer, my faith should be God. Uh, here are some spiritual things. Here are some kingdom things. Somebody needs to be saved. I need to, I need greater faith. I need. Help me to love my neighbor more. Help me to deal with the racism in my heart. Or, God, I'm bitter because of something that my stepdad did to me or my mom 20 years ago, and I'm not, I haven't got over it yet. Those are the things we ought to be praying about. And mm-hmm. you're right. When you're spending all your time working on your kingdom and you're neglecting his kingdom, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and yeah. loses his soul? Or right. you can you can be saved and do all that. Because the Bible says you'll get to heaven and every man's works will be judged mm-hmm. and some of it will be burned up with fire. Yeah. And everything you did on this work earth that, that wasn't kingdom-oriented, it'll get burned up. When it stands for mm-hmm. God, it's not going to give you a reward. Yeah. And you yourself will be saved. That's what the Bible says. And, and, you know, and it's going to be sad if you get to heaven and you spent your whole life building your little earthly kingdom and you get to heaven and they start handing out, Jesus starts handing out rewards and and you get a little... Little something, little medal, participation, little trophy. participation trophy. That's right. And meanwhile, God throws you a pizza party. <laughs> and meanwhile, some some guy down in Central America who who can't hardly get ten limpiras every week in Honduras, but he witnessed and ministered and cast yeah. out demons and prayed for people. He's getting rewarded left and right mm. in the kingdom of God, and and you got nothing. See what I'm saying? And I'm not trying to berate us. I'm just saying. I'm with you. We mm-hmm. we need to let's let's trust God for some things that really matter. Yeah, faith has to cling to promises and character. Well, promises and character. And, and and I wrote this down in my notes. True faith is submission to God's will, mm-hmm. so you don't force or coerce Him to do what you ask. So that's what you talked that's about. That's what I was referencing. Yeah, yeah. So you have to submit to God's will. Then faith is based on God's word. Yeah, that's right. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so maybe this is where we can talk about it, where faith is always an outflow of divine revelation. Mm -hmm. So you have to have divine revelation. So if you go back to these preachers who are preaching and taking a few scriptures, but saying to you, believe God for your marriage, believe God, which is okay, but believe God for your business, believe God for your your dream, for your dream and go after your entrepreneur and start that business and, and, and do that, go get that education, go back to school and, and, you know, which are all great things. I'm all for those things. But if that's what you're, your, that's your revelation that you're getting from your pastor, and you're saying, "Oh, I'm supposed to have faith for those things." Well, people around the best, the rest of the people around the world, your brothers and sisters, even people in America, they can't even remotely get close. <laughs> yeah, to that's that. like that's an only American or only first world sermon, right? And it's and it smacks of prosperity preaching, mm-hmm. which we don't adhere to. The prosperity gospel is a false. It doesn't work in Central America. Yeah, <laughs> go try preaching that. It doesn't work. Okay, so. It, again, it's you got to say, read the word, find out because God's word will read you. If you read the word, God's word will read you. It'll read your mail. 
and you will walk away from it blessed and at the same time challenged saying, man, I need to improve in this area. I'm not lining up. I'm out of line. I need to line up. And then you start having faith as God helped me to be better in this. Help me to be more kind. Help me to be more gentle. Mm. Help me to be more tender. Help me to love people that I don't like. See, I'm saying, well, that's faith. And as you pray those prayers on those simple things, that's the walk of faith. That, those are the things. And then if that whatever that revelation is you don't like, you have to submit your will and say, yeah, yeah. Like, well, let's go down the racist. Let's go down the racist trail because that's been you know that's been a thing in the last year. Okay, so let's say you you've got some racism in your heart because some people do. I've been, I know I know some, there's some people in my church they don't know it, but I know they're racist. I ought to go call them out. <laughs> I ought to. I mean, they don't know it, but I know it. I've got yeah. one or two, and, and we're down south, and I think some of it's a carryover. They're older people, and they don't know that I know it, but they've got some racism in their heart, okay? Um, if you say, well, I'm like, well, the Bible says that we all are made of the same blood. That's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So skin pigmentation really doesn't matter to God ethnicities. If you go, to, if you look in Revelation, there are people there from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation. Yep. Okay, so God, when you get to heaven, there aren't, there isn't a black section and a Latino section and a white section and a lower class, middle class, and upper class sections of heaven. There's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male or female. No, but Christ is all. Christ is all is in all. So, the, you know, well, as you start reading that, and God begins to convict you, and you say, "Well, I'm yeah, but I just don't like black people," and you may be black, and say, "Well, I don't like white people," and you might be racist, and say, "I don't like anybody <laughs> unless they're like me." You know, whatever. And God's word, that revelation, God's spirit begins to use it, convict you. Now you're at a choice. You're you're you have a choice to make. You're at a crossroads right this. Uh, you have to say, Am I gonna keep doing what I want? I'm gonna am I keep adhering to the way I was raised in my home, what my parents taught me, because racism a lot of times is handed down. Um or, or am I gonna yield my will to the will of God? There's there's a man in our church, um, we were fishing one day, and and he God saved him. Now, boy, God saved him from a life of sin. He's he's a young man. Uh, I, he's in his thirties. He just started opening up. Said, Pastor, I was this, I was this. You know, God saved him. He's just he serves God. He's on our praise team, and in the, mm-hmm. in plays. He's a musician, but he will tell you. And he said, I was a racist. I said, Were you? Oh, he said, Oh yeah. He said, I didn't like black people. He said, I get in fights with black people. I said, Why? He said. Because I was taught that. Mm. He said, I didn't really have a good reason for it. Yeah. He said, I said, so what happened? He said, well, I got saved. That's the first thing. He said, started coming to church here, and he said, we got Terrence Ford, who's one of our black pastors on staff. He said, he's the pastor of the young adult. <laughs> he said, I couldn't hate that man. He said, you know, he's- It's my, hard he, to hate Pastor T. You have to hard. really work oh, at you it. you had to be mean to hate Pastor <laughs> T. And he said, he was my brother. You know, the Lord, mm-hmm. he's my pastor. And he said, it made me realize I I can't be a racist anymore. You know, this is my brother in Christ. And he said, I'm not. He said, God took that out of me. That's great. So see how he had to yield his will to the revelation of the word, and God had to do a work in him. So mm-hmm. anyway, faith is powerful, man. Faith faith is not just believing for something. Faith, faith will affect you and change you. That's right. That's good. Let's talk about justification by faith. Um, I feel like that's kind of our super big last one. We got a couple more points. I don't want to carry us on too long. Um, Paul says that the basis of our justification is justification by faith. 
the biggest rediscovery of the Protestant Reformation, beginning with Martin Luther, is this idea of being justified or being declared righteous in the eyes of God by nothing else but faith. And the Apostle Paul teaches this very, very clearly. And so he tells us that we're justified by faith apart from works of the law. Um, So Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So faith is always juxtaposed to To works. works. Always. And you're never saved by works. Always saved by faith. Faith uh, is is the hand reaching out to, to take hold of the promises and the grace of God. Faith isn't virtuous in itself. So sometimes people will think, okay, um, faith saves because faith is like the ultimate good work. Yeah, <laughs> you know that. I can it, see in, that. It in itself is the best thing. So you're being saved because you have faith, and faith is just a really good thing. So I'll, I'm going to interject this, and then you run with it. My last supplemental note that I wrote is that faith is a gift from God. Mm-hmm. So some people think if I could just work up enough faith. You can't. Where's the? Did you write the scripture down? That's the actual scripture. You might have to Google it. Which one? The faith is a gift. It's in there. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know that there's a scripture that actually says it like that, but there are so many a lot of scriptures that, it, that imply they it. Imply it. Yeah. Certainly. Regardless, faith, yeah, I wish... I might have to look it up later. But yeah, I would I would say that you're right in that, that faith is a gift, that if you want to even keep running with uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, you can't drum up faith in yourself. Um, it has to be given to you by the Holy Spirit working through the word of God. Well, when we talked about the episode on provenient grace, mm-hmm. I think this comes into play, don't you? Because, yeah. because of my sin, I'm in darkness, and because of my sinfulness, I can't. I can't believe. I can't. Can't make it happen. I, I can't do it because I'm spiritually dead. A That's dead right. person can't believe, can't feel, can't think. Can't, so I have to have provenient grace that enables me to, to believe. believe that my eyes are open so that I can have faith, mm-hmm. saving faith. And then the grace, saving grace comes. So yeah. it's kind of like provenient grace comes for saving faith, which then leads to saving grace. Yeah, God has to offer to me his word, his promises, his grace, which then uh, by his spirit awakens me to be able to grasp onto that and to receive it. And uh, yeah, I I think that's fantastic. And that kind of sticks with that, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Faith isn't virtuous in itself. Uh, Faith confesses its own infirmity. Um, The apostles even asked the Lord to increase their faith, so they recognize I don't have all that I should. Romans 3, 27 through 28 says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So there's no boasting even in our faith. Faith is, once again, always set uh, up against works or boasting or anything that we do, which once again, if faith is a gift, it's not something we do. Romans 4, 5 says, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So in short, faith grabs onto all the promises of God. I've already mentioned that. This is from the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible. I thought this was really good. 
It says, faith then is faith in Jesus Christ. The number of metaphors Paul employs to describe the consequences of faith is staggering. It is by faith that believers are justified, reconciled, redeemed, made alive, adopted into the family of God, recreated, transported into a new kingdom and set free. Faith is for Paul the sine qua non of every aspect of salvation from the grace that convicts to the receiving the full inheritance of the coming of the Lord. What is sine qua non? I I actually don't know what it means in Latin, but basically it's the... uh, I've seen it. You know. I, I, I guess reading it in context, I get what he's saying. It's the most important. It is the... But I've I've actually don't know Latin, so I'm not that smart. Anyways, while you look while you look that up, an essential gotta, condition, a thing that you. is absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Okay, faith is absolutely necessary for the promises. Well, why didn't of God. he just say that? I don't know. I'm not a. I'm not Latin. I know. <laughs> no one is. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We just talked about Latinos that. Latinos aren't Latin. Well, they speak Spanish. It's not like Latino, Latin. I got you. Yeah. Never mind. Sorry. Uh, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It it reminds me of this story in Acts 16, 14 through 15. It says, now certain woman named Lydia heard us, the apostle Paul preaching. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. And when she and her and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, if you've judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So there, once again, faith comes by hearing the word of God preached to us or read. Faith works through love and produces good works. So we spent all this time um, setting faith against good works, but faith, faith alone saves, but faith is never alone. So let's read that Ephesians passage again, uh, including verse 10. The, uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, Then the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So f- works don't save but by our faith, we are created anew in Christ Jesus for good works. Not saved by good works, but certainly saved for God works. Yeah, good work, works. works are a natural outflow of, of being born again, being saved, of, of living a life of faith. That's right. You want to do the right thing. You yeah. want to serve God. You want to love go your to neighbor. church, read your Bible, do spiritual things. But you don't do that to be saved. You do that because you're saved. That's right. You don't do that. As faith, you do it because you have faith already. That's good. Finally, we'll conclude with this. Um, faith is not mere intellectual assent. James 2, 18 through 24 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. 
and he was called the friend of God, you see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Now, it might sound like James is going against Paul here, but he's not. All James is saying, and it's key to that very first sentence is, um, you, you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Right. And what Abraham did is he fulfilled that declaration of, uh, you know, he was credited uh, to, for righteousness for faith's sake, um, that his faith, his trust in God, had a natural outgrowth in that he obeyed God and, and lived for him and did whatever he said for him to do. And so once again, um, faith, and going back to that other, is not mere intellectual assent. He says the demons believe they believe Christ is God, the but they're Son not of saved. God, but they're not saved. They actually tremble. Faith has to be personally applied to me. It can't just believe the bare facts as to be applied to my life with an outgrowth yeah, of fruit. Yeah, and becomes holiness. Yeah. So faith leads to holiness because once, once I'm saved and I trust the Lord, then I want to serve him, and I want my faith to become now a continuous faith, a just shall live by faith. Yep. So I'm living this life of trusting God with my finances, my marriage, my character, my business, my job, my children, my everything, my yep. whole life, my health. I'm just trusting the Lord, and I'm, I'm walking according to what he – again, it's a submission. To, as, as I read his word and I realize things, I submit to his will, not what I want, what you want. I'm going to change my life. And faith, you know, I, I preached Sunday, a couple Sundays ago on holiness, and uh, you never take your your spiritual experiences and make the word conform to your life. Mm-hmm. You always take your life and make it conform to the word. To the word, and that's the difference. And and so, if you say, "Well, I'm saved," but you you don't trust God enough to obey the Bible, and you're doing things that are contrary to the word, mm-hmm. i.e., sin. Guess what? You're not saved. <laughs> yeah, you don't actually believe. And, and that's what James is saying. It says faith without works is dead. Yeah, you show me your faith. Show me your faith without works. And and part of works, because we think works, well, what is that? Is that like volunteering in the children's department? It's, well, it can, can be, be but, it, but it also includes your life, living yeah. right. That That's its fundamental nature is that, that what I work is what I do. So mm-hmm. what I see you doing is it righteous? Is it right? Is it is it conform to the will of God? Or are you working the works of the flesh and of the sin? You're doing the things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's what James is saying. I'll show you my faith by my works. Look at my life, and you should see things about me that says, this is a person that has been changed and born again and transformed. You will know the root by the fruit. There you go. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed this episode on faith. Make sure to check out the next couple of episodes while we cover cover hope and love, which we know are going to be really, really good. Share this podcast, give it a review, like, rate it, all that good stuff. Send it to somebody who needs it, and we will see you back in a couple of weeks. 